Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. I'm pleased to have as my guest today, Babs Plunkett, a passionate advocate for positive aging and joyful living. Babs is a certified professional retirement coach and the author of Choose Joy, Three Keys to Investing Your Time in Retirement. She holds, a, excuse me, she hosts a Facebook community, the Empty Nesters Joyful Purpose Club, and she created a course for women from empty nest through retirement, the Choose Joy Method to Rediscover Your Purpose. Babs, welcome to the end game. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. So the themes of your work really echo the direction uh, that we take here at the end game, which we describe as aging with purpose and joy. I was a little surprised, though, to find out that uh, you give credit for inspiring your work to your crabby grandmother. Can you explain how that came about? Yes. So strangely, um, my passion for figuring out how to age with joy and purpose started when I was 13. That's the kind of goofy kid I was. And that was inspired by Krabby Grandma. She moved in with my family when I was 13 years old. And she would sit perched in our kitchen, wearing her pumps and her pearls and a scowl and kind of glare at us. And I wanted to know, why is this human being like the most unhappy human I've ever met? And when I asked her about it, all she could tell me is, I don't know why God keeps me alive. I'd rather be dead. So that prompted in me, um, one, it was sad, of course, to have a grandma that was so crabby, but it also made me wonder, oh no, am I genetically programmed to be crabby too? Is this a choice? So I started as a weirdo 13 year old asking people that I saw aging with joy and purpose, starting with my seventh grade teacher, Mr. McMullen. And he was the first person among hundreds and hundreds over the decades that I would ask, were you born this way? Were you just kind of a lucky one? Or did you make a choice? And my seventh grade teacher, among with, uh, among all of the other folks I've spoken with, could name quite specifically a time, nope, I made up my mind to choose joy. So that set me on a path. Um, I did my honors thesis in college on the activity theory of aging and then all the other stuff that you've shared with your listeners of what I've done uh, throughout the decades, uh, trying to figure this thing out because it's an ongoing journey. Interesting. And... It seems, if I understand correctly, that much of the work that you've been doing started with women who are choosing a different direction when their children grow up or move out. Why was that the place that you began? Well, it's the place that I have found myself rather than where I began. Uh, When Mm. I uh, returned to coaching after decades of a career in digital marketing. I thought what I was doing was trying to figure out how to get some hobbies and new interests to have a smoother entry ramp into retirement. So I was hosting a variety of workshops around people getting ready to retire newly in retirement. I attracted mostly women. And what I saw over and over is those who were really stuck actually were stuck back when their kids launched. Whether they worked full-time or were home full-time, how a woman of my generation and older views ourselves is we're a full-time mom, 
no matter how much we do paid work. And that is the most fulfilling profession that we are socialized to do. So when our kids launch, it's the exact same challenges as when we retire. What I say is we retire first from full-time motherhood and the challenges are identical to retiring from full-time paid work. You lose the structure of your day. You lose your definition of your role in the world. You lose the purpose that goes with that role. And you often lose the friends that go with all of that. And for women, being a mother is one of the most profoundly fulfilling things. It is for dads too, but it, in our generation, it's still kind of the mom job. So I found that before they could even think about retirement, it was really looking at this role of remaking themselves as women in a new phase of life and letting go of their full-time definition of themselves as a worker and as a mother. So it well, found me rather than a consciously chosen. And, and it wasn't it wasn't something that you drew from your own experience of uh, letting your children leave the house. Oh, it was that too. And oh, you know, okay. we, we always <laughs> finding ourselves. Um, teaching what we are learning. So yes, at that same time, you know, when I thought what I wanted to learn was about how to move into retirement, it was when I was moving into that empty nest phase. And as most of your listeners can probably relate to, if you are in a committed partnership during those kid rearing years, during that, what I call management logistics phase, where you go to ballet, I go to soccer and lacrosse and whatever, uh, the relationship kind of gets in the back burner. And there is this, um, you know, fairy tale of when the kids launch, like, woohoo, we've got all this free time, but so many people have free time and they look across the table and think, what do, what do we even have in common anymore? What do we even talk about? And so it's a, a very, um, you know, it's uh, an uncomfortable transition time to figure out how do we remake this so that this partnership can last and I can be a new version of me outside of my role as a parent and a worker. I think that your your parallel between uh, empty nest and retirement is a profound insight. I've been doing a lot of work about retirement, and and I guess what strikes me is is wondering whether the issues are different for women in those two situations. Uh, is it mostly a I mean, one is about changing your role as a woman, I suppose, but the, is, is that, well, let me just ask you, are they the same issues or are they different issues? The issues, name, name the issues that, that you're that women, the women, that women face in empty nest and that women face in retirement, are they the same general issues? Are they specifically different? Mm -hmm. So the same, I would answer it this way, that um, structurally, the issues are the same. As I mentioned, you lose the structure of your day, like you wake up and Monday is Saturday. So uh, th that disorientation that we feel in retirement, that we feel when our kids leave, like, what do I do from five till nine when I'm not schlepping and hauling and rushing? Or what do I do all day when I'm not going to a tournament? Or what do I do all day when I'm not going to work? Um, so the, the structural loss of the day, the definition of self, um, definition of role, sense of purpose, friends, it's the same male or female uh, work or not. The thing that I think is really different for women 
of my generation and older, and even you know, decade or more younger, is there is generational socialization in women being the good wife, the good mother, and not putting herself first. We are valued when we are selfless. Oh, what a good mom she is. Oh, what a good girl she is. She puts everyone else first. So from a sociological standpoint, from a um, how we're, the, the, the cultural norms for a woman is, it's not okay. It's considered selfish for many women. They feel guilty to put themselves first. And so it's very confusing. If, if I'm not taking care of my kids or my aging parents, or my significant other, I, I need to do all that before I take care of me. So I think there is something different for women of this generation to understand like viscerally that it is more than okay, it's essential to dedicate time to their own personal growth, to invest time and resources in rediscovering who they are outside of, and in addition to their roles as a mother, wife, and worker. Okay. Does that answer what you were getting at? I think I think so. It was a lot more eloquent than the way I asked the question. So that's good. Um, okay. You've done life coaching and you're doing retirement coaching. Um, mm -hmm. Is the coaching challenge for you different in those two audiences or is it about the same? It's the same. Uh, where we are is... You know, we get stuck in our culture in a doing mode. We think the answer that we're trying to come up with first is what am I supposed to do? Oh no, I'm not working anymore. Oh no, I'm not a full-time mom anymore. How do I fill my time? So the very first question we feel urgently compelled to answer is what am I going to do? So we, we're smart, competent, do it people. So we grab at things. We fill our calendar. That looks good. Feels okay for a while. And then we look back and we're like, what am I doing anyway? Still feels empty, still feels like something's missing. So what I find, whether it's an empty nest mom, a retiree, a 30-something who's feeling a little lost in their work, it's really what is the root cause of who am I? What really do I value? What are my favorite skills, gifts, values, and passions, and how do I want to give them to the world? And when we answer that really from a core place, then the what do I want to do gets imbued with meaning rather than looking for one singular giant. What's my purpose now that I'm not working or a mom or whatever? It's more, I find, a collection of choices for a typical day, typical week, month that align with a thoughtfully considered collection of things that match your values, what you're passionate about, what you're good at, what you love doing. I mean, it sounds kind of basic. It just takes more work than just grabbing at activities that fill your calendar, which is well, what do it, what all the smart do it people tend to do. It sounds like, I mean, it's, it sounds like we ought to know those things instinctively. We should know what our values are. We should know what our, who we are, but we don't. Why don't we? Oh gosh, because the busyness of life, you know, we, we know how to be a good worker. We, and there's all kinds of external things that are put, you know, given to us, put on us of what equals good, making money equals good, working long hours equals good, getting, you know, success by external measures equals good. And those are fine. But in the end, 
that soulful richness when we reach a certain age, you're like, okay, big deal. Been there, done that. But really, how do I want to live the last couple of two, three decades? I'm just about 60. That means I have 25 more years of living. That's a pretty long time. That was as long as I was in full-time mom mode and full-time work mode. But to just think that we understand it outside of these societally prescribed roles, uh, just doesn't, isn't how it is. It is for most people. It's like, I don't even know who I am outside of being a parent and a worker. I've been, I've been working since I was 12. Who am I if I'm not doing that? I hear that every week from people. So it takes work. It takes pausing. Yeah. Are you getting, are you getting men as clients also, or is it still mostly women? I do have men as clients. My course is just for women, but I do also, I work with men in a one-on-one way. I think it's often more comfortable for men um, Mm -hmm. to ask those soulful questions, those really reflective questions in a, in a one-on-one thing is often more comfortable for men. I definitely work. I definitely work with men too. Yeah. So you've been a life coach and a business coach before becoming a Mm -hmm. retirement coach. Uh, so there seems to be some consistency in, in what you're looking for, for yourself. Did you, did you coach soccer and softball also? I mean, are you born to coach? Uh, Oh gosh, I coached all kinds of things from nanotechnology, Lego robotics teams that match, you know, one of my kids' interests to, yes, I, I, um, I have coached all kinds of things for, my kids' interests. I was a Cub Scout mom. I did I did all those things. But at this phase of life, what I'm most interested in is helping us wake up to the good we have to give. You know, golf and leisure, you know, there are images of retirement are really outdated, which I know that you share all the time in your work. You know, we have this vision of it being all the glorious sunset years, doing cruises and um, leisure-based activities, walking on the beach when your knees don't even feel good walking on sand on a beach anymore. It's crazy. (laughs) All of that pleasure is wonderful. And most of us hunger for something deeper, something where we feel like we're making a difference in the world. And it isn't intuitively obvious. It takes a pause and time to reflect on what are all the things I've learned in the decades I've lived? Which ones am I fine? You know, I laugh. I'm really great at event planning, but please God, don't make me plan in another event. But which <laughs> skills do I love? How do I want it? You very intentionally use the years I, I have to give. I mean, I think you talk about this too. There comes a time, and I ask this of everybody that I interviewed, the hundreds of people I interviewed for my book, Choose Joy, Three Keys to Investing Your Time in Retirement. When was the moment when you had that wake up that your brain knows like, duh, we're all going to die. But at some point in your body, you realize, oh, oh me, <laughs> me too. That means me. And there is a, a dawning that, all right, all right, statistically, I've got this much time. Okay. Facts are facts. What do I want to do about it? How do I want to use this time? So I live fully, I give fully. So if, this won't steal from your royalties. Um, what is the secret to joy in retirement? Yeah, um, no, not at all. I, I would love to share it. So 
the three keys, the three elements that I call the three keys to investing your time in retirement, because we talk a lot about how to invest your money, but we oh, don't yes. talk very much about how to invest your time, which is, you know, much of what your work is. And what I heard over and over from the hundreds of people that I interviewed for the book and the hundreds more that I've interviewed since I was that weirdo 13 year old in seventh grade, starting to inter interview my seventh grade teacher is, um, is these three things that are also completely supported by all of the research on positive aging. You know, the Harvard's longitudinal study on adult development has about eight, but these are three of the keys. And they are this one, engage your mind with a sense of purpose. And research shows just two hours a week of something that really feels meaningful to you has positive outcomes like uh, reducing the risk of Alzheimer's, reducing the risk of cardiac events. It's two hours is nothing, nothing, but it's still time just sort of slips away. So the first is engage your mind with a sense of purpose, minimum two hours a week. Second is move your body. All your listeners are smart people. We know we're supposed to move, but for a lot of folks, ugh, exercise is just not their thing. So all the ideas in my book are for are not about traditional exercise. It's how to move in a way that is organic and part of how you just live your life. And just 20 to 30 minutes a day, according to the Lancet Medical Journal study that came out just a bit ago, is enough to have the same health outcomes as going to the gym, 20 to 30 minutes a day. So engage your mind is key one, just two hours a week as a minimum. Move your body 20 to 30 minutes a day. And then the third that I, we need them all, but sometimes I think this is the most important is connect with others. Even one positive connection per week is enough to have the positive health, health outcomes. As you, I, you know, as you well know from your own research, loneliness was a epidemic even before COVID. It was magnified exponentially during COVID. So finding a way to connect in ways that is, um, you know, uses all the things that are available. And I have in my book, each, each of the, it's a, like a collection of stories, sort of like chicken soup for the soul. And after each story is a try this idea. So if you like the story, there's a concrete action you can take. So there's 15 ideas for how to connect with others in a way that might surprise you or that is based on how real life people have figured out how to do it. So engage your mind, move your body, connect with others is the secret sauce um, to anchoring. I call them joy anchors, build them into your calendar. So you don't have to come on a good attitude, a good night's sleep, because Lord knows that's not possible as the years go on to come on a good night's sleep. Um, so those, that's the, that's the ticket. That seems very, very simple and doable. And uh, we, we are an audience of people who, who believe in using our, our good years as, as well as we can with purpose. So mm -hmm. I think it fits right in. Um, and this is great stuff. And I am so glad that you joined us today. I think that you have a very uh, compelling look at, at how things should go. And, uh, and useful for us. So thank you for being here. You're welcome. And, and if you would like to know more about 
Babs Plunkett's work. Her book is Choose Joy, Three Keys to Investing Your Time in Retirement. It's available on Amazon and at local bookstores and other sites. And you can also learn more about her course on her website, babsplunkett.com. Babs, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The End Game, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The End Game.